0: Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.
1: Hello, and welcome to Dwell, a Circe Institute podcast for homeschool moms by homeschool moms. I'm Emily Hill, and joining me are Karen Kern and Renee Mathis. Hey, friends. Hi, Emily. Hi, Karen. So for most of us, summer offers hours of opportunity to be outdoors, soaking up the summer sun and heat in some locations. Colorado has missed the heat spell this summer and we're all wearing sweatshirts these days. But a few years ago, our family adopted the motto outside every day. It didn't have to be for long, although sometimes it does end up being many hours. But this simple choice has shifted the way I think about the big world out there. Nature is our place and our home. For some of us, the thought of embracing this can be rather daunting. So instead of jumping into a conversation today about nature studies or journaling, we thought it would be lovely to simply share a few words together about getting started in nature. Where do you even start? Whether you are an old pro in the great outdoors or your daily dose of nature is from the front door to the mailbox, let's talk about why the beauty and wonder of the created world matters and how to participate in it. In the homeschool world, you hear a lot these days about nature studies or forest schools or adventure and naturalist clubs. In a world of parking lot playgrounds and screen addiction, We are beginning to remember how nature provides purpose, connection, and a deeper knowing of our creator. As Charlotte Mason aptly reminds us, we are all meant to be naturalists, each to his own degree, and it is inexcusable to live in a world so full of the marvels of both plant and animal life and to care for none of these things. How do we learn to care for these things then? Let's just jump right into this. What is our place in the created world and why does it matter? Renee, any initial thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, um, now that we officially live out in the country and nature is all around us, (laughs) sometimes more than I wish it was, um, you don't want to hear about our struggles with the mouse in the attic, but um, yeah, why is nature important? Well, a couple of things come to mind first, because it's God's created world and By learning about his created world, we learn more about him. So the Bible is full of beautiful pictures of of natural events, of natural phenomena, of stars, of waterfalls, of animals and plants. And and so I believe we honor God when we seek to get to know the world where he has placed us. Um, You know, and also it's important because he's given us the job of stewarding nature and of taking care of it. And um, how wonderful, you know, to give a little child something simple like a plant to care for as a very first step in learning how to care for nature. And, um, you know, they learn how to care for a pet. They maybe learn how to plant a garden. And, and it's all part of learning to take care of the world God's given us. But in order to do that, we have to learn how that world works and what it's like and what are the consequences of making certain choices um, in the way that we care for the world. So it's kind of a, a twofold um way that i look at it you know we are we are below god obviously we are the created ones not the creator but we want to know our creator better and on the other hand we are given a stewardship responsibility in the sense that we are above what we are taking care of and we need to be able to manage it well i was thinking about this today
3: because i am right now recording from blowing rock north carolina where I am uh, helping to host a group of people who have come together uh, to have a close reads retreat. And so I was walking along, enjoying a thunderstorm today, walking between where we're staying, where my grandchildren are staying in the rain. And I thought, why, why do we choose to come to the mountains every year for this retreat? You know why? What is it about being out in nature? People come from all over the country to come to talk about bundleberry this year, actually his books. Um, and it seems so fitting to do that out in the beauty of nature and how that all fits together, because just as talking about books is restorative, um, it's restful, it feeds our souls. It's the same with being in nature. And so when we combine the two, it's just a perfect combination um, that is the best vacation. You know, these these uh, people that are here were talking about how so many of them told their friends or their family, you know, what they would say, "Why are you going to North Carolina?" And they'd say, "Oh, we're going to talk about books." And um, so few people uh, really understand why you would want to take a week away from your family and go to a place with 20 other people and talk about books. But I know that our listeners understand why we want to do that and how it goes so fittingly with nature and the restorative sense of beauty. And it's just really a gift that God gives us. And it reflects him and how he cares and loves, uh, cares for and loves us. And the power that beauty has in our lives Is is remarkable, and it's something that I'm really dwelling on this this week as I've been here with these people.
1: And I love how you said it is fitting. It's a fitting thing for us to be here. And I've often thought that in an experience I might have in the natural world, whether you are in the mountains or. at the beach, uh, wherever I just was at the beach a couple days ago. And for a Colorado girl, that's always an experience. But it is a fitting, what is our place? It is a place that we fit into. We are not, like as humans, we're not foreign to nature. We are a, we're literally just a part of this world when he, God, when God creates the earth, he creates us and says, here you are. Go live in this place that I made for you. And that that is so shaped how I think about this, the purpose of me being here in the natural world. Because most of us live in cities. At least that's pretty common. You know, The large congregation of people, um, we live in cities. And that you have to make an effort to actually step outside the city often to be in nature and to remind myself, this matters because I was made for this. I am literally doing the thing I was made to do when I am in these. And there's a, it is restorative, as you said, Karen. Like there is just a sense of, I belong here. And maybe some of that is the beauty. And we recognize that. We know it. Um, There's a John Muir quote that says, everybody needs beauty as well as bread, places to play in and pray in where nature may heal and give strength to body and soul. To see that though, you have to slow down to see that. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. A few months ago, we talked about habits and how one of the most important habits for our own selves and to teach our children is how to pay attention. And I think I think Andrew says often, like the goal of education is to learn how to pay attention or something like that. And how does finding your place and participating in the natural world make you slow down and make you pay attention? No, Karen, you have any thoughts on how, how do you slow down
3: to see it? Well, just stop and looking. And I think if we take our cues from our children and we're not in such a hurry to get from point A to point B, for example, when I take my grandchildren on a walk to the park, and we just have a little park in our neighborhood, we walk along there And they bend over and they don't just glance at a worm. They bend right over. They get down about as far as they dare, and they might even reach out their little finger to touch it. And, you know, I might be thinking, all right, let's get going. We have to get back and get lunch. And, you know, nap time's coming. But I have to restrain that and say, no, we have to spend a a moment here and look at nature. Or we have to stop at a, on the Blue Ridge Park. We need to stop at this overlook and actually get out and look and not be in such a hurry. So one way I think is just to take our cue from children because they don't have any trouble paying attention to nature. It's more us and our busyness. Um, and, and I would say that if children aren't paying attention to nature, it's because there's already some disordering of their souls that might be caused by, say, too much screen time or maybe not enough exposure to being outside. And so if we if we detect that our children aren't paying attention or don't want to pay attention, then we probably just need to get them outside more as an antidote to that.
2: Yeah, I would agree. I'm, I'm guilty of being one of those, probably one of those moms that was too busy for a long time and many years um, and not sending my kids outside enough, maybe. Although, you know, kids being kids they they will find ways to get outside especially if you want them to do chores inside but you know <laughs> so um <laughs> I would want to encourage moms who think, well, you know, I'm not good at this or my kids don't know the name of five different trees and all the constellations. You know, you can start small and start where you are, first of all. Um, even, you know, raising kids in the suburbs, there are ways to either go to a nature center or take a field trip or um, find ways to expose our kids to things, even if it's going to grandparents' house who live out in the country once in a while. But um, I would also, again, want to encourage moms and say that for every deficiency that we think we have and that we didn't do enough when we were raising our kids, God has a way of filling in those gaps. And I love seeing my grown kids now who are out there riding mountain bikes in the wilderness and hiking and going to visit waterfalls and raising their kids to love nature with notebooks and poetry. And so um, a lot of it just depends on where you live too. Um, You know, I've got kids that that live in mountains and and of course they have a great opportunity to to explore nature. So um slowing down and, and and taking time can can start small by just seeing, you know, what's what's outside? What's outside where you happen to be living? I mean, That's easy for me to say now because I'm out in the country, but we had an alligator walk across the front yard. (laughs) So an actual alligator, a six-foot-long alligator. That's a little too much nature, Renee. (laughs) That's a little too much, yeah. I was kind of like, hmm, this is not not, not my level of nature. He should be in the swamp where I can, you know, see him from far off. But um, on the little less scary side of nature, we have this little... um, mama and daddy kill deer which is a little bird in our backyard we don't have much of a yard yet but this little bird nests on the ground I've never seen that before you know I've never been able to get that up close and personal with a little bird and they nest on the ground they lay their eggs we've been watching them for four weeks now hoping that you know these eggs are going to make it so my husband and I have this you know vested interest in in this little bird family And yesterday and today, they've started hatching. And it is so fun to watch because they're little ground birds. And as soon as they catch, they're out running around. And and now they're little teeny tiny toothpick legs. They're just exploring. And then the mom will kind of rein them in and they'll sit back on the nest and she'll sit on top of them for a while. Then they'll go run around some more. Then they'll come back. And so watching these four little birds has been a lot of fun. And it's not anything we did or planned. You know, obviously, I'm not making a curriculum out of it, but just to pay attention has, has been a joy. So I would just encourage y'all find, find the joy that God has put right in front of you. It's there. You know, you just have to open your eyes and start looking for it.
1: I think that as homeschool moms, one of the things you said there is so important in that I'm not making a curriculum of it. It's not going to be on their high school transcript or whatever, but just perhaps one of the most formative parts of the natural world is learning to pay attention and letting that form you. And I, I read a quote the other day that says, uh, hurry is the enemy of beauty. And just slowing down to see, yeah, what kind of bird is this? And paying attention, oh, it's a ground nesting bird. Um, or like, we, we just like keep a list of, keep a list of birds that come to our bird feeder. That's all it is. It's nothing, we're not studying all these birds in depth or, you know, like everyone has to learn their flight patterns or whatever it is. Um it's just fun to know their fun to know their names, and that's part of our work in the created earth is to name things and Karen, you'd kind of mentioned that uh, earlier when we were chatting of the importance of your place in nature is is naming things like we're namers, Adam names the animals,
3: and like why is that important? Well, I think it makes us intentional about making our place our own when um for example we have a lot of cardinals in our yard and um when three-year-old Serafina can say Omi come come look at the cardinal well she's only she's only three but she already knows the names of the of the cardinal or if our children can go outside and say and be excited because they they can find the big dipper in the in the stars because they they've been shown that and maybe they uh, learn that constellation from a star map or a puzzle, but maybe it's because their grandpa took them outside and said, look, follow, follow my finger. Do you see where my finger's pointing? That's part of the Big Dipper. And, you know, when, when you can learn the constellations, you know, that are in the part of the sky in the particular season of the particular part of the earth that you live in, and or you can learn, the bird that is in your backyard, it gives you ownership of your place. And I, I just, I think that's really important that we, that we have that and that we give that to our children. And that is a
1: gift that we offer them, which is one of the joys of homeschooling in that you can actually incorporate nature into the curriculum. So for all I say about, you know, maybe not having the bird as a curriculum, um, We've turned a lot of things into a nature curriculum, for sure, even formally, whether it's, it is nature notebooking or journaling or whatever that may look like. As a homeschool mom, it is a joy to be those who train them. Um, there's another, there's, there's lots of Charlotte Mason quotes on nature studies. So if you ever need any nature quotes, there's your girl right there. And she says, we all have a need to be trained to see and to have our eyes opened before we can take in the joy that is meant for us in this beautiful life. And just thinking again of how fitting it is for us to find our place in nature. We were created for this. And when it's, she says the joy that is meant for us and how there is something, there is something joyful about the natural world. Why is that? What's joyful? That's just like a spur of the moment question. What's so joyful about like
2: what like why does the natural world make us happy? Okay. Do berries. I'll say the natural world gives us berries. And so to to get out there on our property and pick berries and then go in and make a cobbler or pie, that's a lot of fun. It's work. And there's you know, there's snakes out there and there's stickers and it's hot. But nature, you know, it's fun to see produce Productive, you know, how the words are related. Um, it's also a lot of work. And so I think, you know, it's good for kids sometimes to get out there and not be comfortable and not be air conditioned and not be, you know, on their comfy little chairs. It's good for all of us. It's good for me. So, um, yeah, nature has a lot of gifts, it's a lot of
3: fun. And I, I think that joy is related to wonder. And I don't think that a child, most children go out and say, oh, I feel so much joy being out here at this campsite. I feel so much joy. Like they, they don't very often articulate that, but you might see on their face when they're enraptured by beauty. I mean, children don't hide their expressions. And so when you see them throw their head back or their arms back or, you know, just have that body language that they of wonder that's an
1: expression of joy. I'm trying to think through this now. Like, what other experiences in life cre- ha- give you that sense of wonder, especially to a child, as the natural world does? There is something about it, whether that is a, a wonder of um, like, uh, even like a little bit of fear. So there, I mean, there can be a wonder on that side of the natural world is wild. It's a wild place. Um, often it feels very untamed. So there's a wonder in that. There's the wonder of the unknown, the, the wonder of something bigger. It's that wonder when you do, you stand at the edge of the ocean and it's so vast. Um, I've often had that experience standing um, on a, a cliff in the Rocky Mountains. I mean, you're just standing there and it's this sheer drop off and then just this vast expanse of mountains out there. But it also can be picking blueberries, right? That's a wonder-filled experience that I can pick something off this bush and make something of it or pop it in my mouth and enjoy it you know who doesn't love you know blueberries for sale right so I think there that sense of wonder is uh maybe it's like that verse that says deep calls to deep there's something in us that is called by the physical place that we were created in um but it is kind of wild. So how do you walk through, how do you walk through the wild of nature with your kids um, when it's, maybe there's parts of nature that are frightening. Maybe it's an alligator walking through your yard or, um, or a thunderstorm. Do you have any you know, stories or anything you could share of times that you walked through some of that with uh, the, the wild side of nature with your kid?
3: Well. I have a story of that, and I had actually forgotten this, but very recently Katie uh, talked about how when she was about five, we were having a very bad thunderstorm at our house, and she was afraid, and she says that I took her out on our porch so that she could get even closer to the thunderstorm. I guess the lightning wasn't too bad, or I wouldn't have done this. I took her out on... yeah, if it was a tornado in our basement. <laughs> but um, uh, So I took her out on the porch and we stood there together and watched the thunderstorm come in and experienced it. And it helped her not be so afraid. And um, she was thankful for that mm-hmm. moment with me. And I had actually forgotten it. And I still don't remember it, but um, I'm really glad that she has that memory. And so that reminds me that so much of what we do just in the day-to-day that we might not remember our children can mem- remember those things and it, and that can be a blessing. And then another thing that comes to mind is, is that book, Owl Moon, where a little girl goes out with her father in the night, they leave their farmhouse and they go out in the snow and, um, there she's a little bit afraid because it's dark and they're going to look for an owl. And, uh, she's, there's a line that repeats and it's something like when you go owling, you have to be quiet and you have to be brave. And it's, it's um, a gift that the father's giving his daughter to take her out where it's a little bit scary. It's night and it's cold. She has mittens on and she has a scarf across her face because it's cold. So, you know, it's, it would probably be more comfortable to be at home, but he, he takes her out and they look at an they look for an owl and then they finally see an owl and its wings are spread wide and they have the moment together and then they walk back. And as far as a plot goes, it's a very, very simple story, but it's profound because they're encountering beauty with each other and how that draws them together. Um, It's such a beautiful book. If you don't have that book, I highly recommend um, Owl Moon.
2: Yeah, and of course, you know, we love to talk about books and and stories, and and Karen, that's a great reminder about, even with little, little children, start giving them picture books and kind of building their nature vocabulary that way through literature. As they get older, you can read poems together, you can, you know, for for your kids that are a little more adventuresome and wild, you know, find those survival stories about someone who was lost or, or had to make their way, you know, with you know, a pocket knife and that's all, and, and how did they manage to survive? Um, there's so many great stories out there about that. And um, again, just, you know, poetry. So many poems are about beautiful things in nature that when we share those with our kids, maybe even going outside and just reading them outside together or memorizing part of them together, um, you just never know where you're, you're going to be when you're going to see that daffodil and, and Wordsworth's words jump into you about dancing with the daffodils or, you um, talking about Blake and, and the tigers or the little lambs or any of those things. Um, it's a lot of fun to, to have that poetry vocabulary and that poetry that's built into you. And then it comes out when, when you're actually in nature. And
1: there is a long, very long history of our favorite authors and poets and their deep connection with nature. And that's actually a really remarkable thing if you uh, study the lives of so many. Many of our favorite authors um, that there is that you'll see this connection. Um, and not only not only the Wendell Berry's or, you know, Wordsworth, uh, but you know, Chekhov and Annie Dillard, Robert Frost um, and, the, and actually just a lot of authors that aren't necessarily nature Authors, You know, they're not writing about nature, but kind of fascinating if you study their, their biographies, how great writers are usually those who have an understanding of the natural world somehow, because it's our place. It's fitting that we should be here. Um, one of the things that's really shaped our family is learning to create our own place in nature. It, it seems that we live in a very nature disassociated Age, and maybe that's because a lot of us live in cities. And as Renee said, do start small, and that it doesn't mean you need to, all right, this very day go spend six hours outside and grow all of your own food and I don't know, hunting, fishing, whatever it is. Some of it is up to you as a mama. What do you love? How, what can, you, how can you show that? And whether it's maybe taking a walk around your neighborhood and noticing what you, you know, whatever it's butterflies or flowers, uh, but creating your own place and creating your own place with the seasons and celebrating, celebrating that. uh, We celebrate the first day of spring and we celebrate the winter solstice, uh, just like you might celebrate 4th of July. And there are so many, the talk and the rhythms that come throughout the year that are worth celebrating that connect us then too. Oh, this is what happens in spring. I know spring, as Karen said. Then that gives you a confidence and an ownership of, oh, I know the sea now. I know the first crocus comes up on my land now, and that just settles you, and it heals you somehow and we could we could actually do a whole wow, we could do a whole podcast about how restorative as Karen said, how restorative nature is, if we will. Let it be. And I actually think that's where kids are really, they're really good at that. They're really good at just sitting in it, playing in the mud for hours when I would be bored in five minutes. So maybe it's watching a sunset longer than is comfortable. All of a sudden you start getting bored, give it five more minutes. So how has getting to know nature or beginning, as we're talking about, we're talking about beginning to get to know nature. Um, we're all at a different place on that. And actually, it's inexhaustible. You can't know nature, right? So how has getting to know nature shaped you? I know, Renee, thoughts on that?
2: Shaping in the sense of um, forming and and that's a really good question. Um, I would say that, you know, from the perspective of someone who's, it still feels recently, um, moved to a new community, getting outside just to get to know the place where I live has been important. Um, you know, when I can drive somewhere from point A to point B and not rely on Google Maps to get there, but I'm starting to recognize landmarks. You know, oh, I turn at this corner where this house is or this gas station. I feel like yay, I passed a test <laughs> or something. So um, yeah, again, just just feeling a part and a place and and, and a part of my community one of my children moved to, uh, actually to Colorado and right at the beginning of COVID. And, and just when he was excited about getting outside and exploring his new location and getting to know people and, and to know the, the place he lives, COVID hit and everything locked down. And so, you know, wow, what a, what a way to squash getting, getting to be a part of a community when you can't get outside and you can't really do much. So, um, I think nature, it's, you said it's where we we're meant to be, and and getting to know the ins and outs of the place we are, and the place we live, um, is important. And and then the second thing I would say would would just be, uh, learning to recognize the challenges and and to be open to those kinds of challenges. Um, I, I would be happy to take the easy way out and sit in front of a fireplace and read. And my husband wants to go out there and hike, and so. I have to be open to that. <laughs> so, um, being willing to get out there, strap on the hiking boots, and go have an adventure um, has been a lot of fun, and and that has, you know, widened my boundaries and and helped me to experience more of the world that I would not normally have been able to do. So, um, it's not always you know easy, but but it's worth it in the long run. So, um, yeah, I would definitely encourage those of you who are a little. little leery or a little hesitant about, about doing that kind of things too. You know, you never know. You might surprise yourself and see what you're capable of. I have wonderful memories from my childhood
3: of being outside, particularly with my dad. He he loved to be outside. We lived in the country and in Canada. And so our winters were filled with sledding on our own property and skating. And we had a creek and every Saturday, in the winter, we would we would take our a picnic to our creek, and we would build a fire in the snow and cook hot dogs. And I just have the best memories of that, and I'm so thankful because I I do love to be outside. And you know, there are, there are different seasons, and and we have to be okay with having seasons of less extended outdoor time, like when you have small children. Uh, babies who need to be at home for nap time or toddlers, um, potty training. There are just seasons when you're not going to be able to be outside as easily for a long periods of time. But then, you know, your seasons change and you can get outside with your children and you can give them a great gift um, by um, teaching them things from the outdoors. I remember when we were camping once as a child, my dad would do devotions with us and these devotions might only take a couple minutes, but I remember one time he he taught us the verse: "Consider um, the ant, thou sluggard. Con- you know, consider her ways. Go to the ant, thou sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise." And and I remember we were just sitting looking at ants, and all these years later, I'm going to say that was 50 years ago, maybe more, and yet I remember that. And so we can give our children great great gifts when we get them out in nature. Um, and now Andrew and I love to go camping, just the two of us. And it's really actually fun, you know, to get our campsite all set up, um, to to wake up in the morning and get out and light a fire and fire up the camp stove and sit together and have coffee. You know, hopefully it's not raining. Um, but even if it is, you have those memories together and of, And of encountering, you know, the difficulties that come with camping and you do it together and you make memories together. And it's, you know, after 37 years of marriage, we can still do something new. And it's and it's really fun. And we're we're going camping again in two weeks. And so I up here and I in blowing rock area and I look forward to that. And of him getting away from the computer and the phones and the work um, and communicating with other people and just being together. And that's a gift that we can each other.
1: It seems there's a a togetherness that's offered the community. Renee, you mentioned that, the community of nature. Um, And then there's also a givenness of being alone and a, a healing side of nature, of being in it and remembering that we were created for this. This is our place. And so as you move into your summer months and your rhythms are a little bit different and... Hopefully the schedule is such that you can get outside a little bit and enjoy the sun and maybe the heat and look at just the majesty and glory of the place that you are given. So enjoy those times and here's
3: to home.